What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Insanity. Today, uh, we are going to do a little tutorial on daily fantasy sports. So, who better to bring in to teach us all about this than TJ Hernandez? TJ, thanks for joining me for this. John, what's up, buddy? I'm excited. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, this is my first DFS podcast all year. I've, I've done a few spots, but they've all been mostly redraft or just general football talk. So, I'm, uh, I'm knocking off the rust here with you. All right, good, good. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get some freshness then. Nobody yeah. else has heard yet. That's perfect. So, my plan for this is basically uh, to just kind of cover what DFS is, uh, maybe some strategies that people can take into place. I jumped into it last year. I was super annoyed by all the commercials and everything, but I still love playing fantasy football, and I like game of skilling uh, is how I'll refer to it. So. This was right up my alley, and I finally said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. So I went out to look for things, you know, where can I find just a, a quick little tutorial on it? And you guys did have, you know, you guys had kind of an intro to it. There were some other things out there, but I kind of want to give that to other people just in case there's other people out there. They're still considering it. They're on the fence, you know, should I give it a shot? So we're just going to go through, you know, basically what DFS is. But before we get into that, uh, we'll go back to your start in fantasy football. When did you start playing fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, a fantasy footballer for well, well over a decade now. I started back in high school, and I was just, uh, I was just kind of at that age, like where not everybody had a computer in the classroom or at home. Uh, so I just, when I started playing football, fantasy football, we were still doing the, the newspaper and, and pencil strategy, uh, in our, in our coach's room in, in high school. So that's kind of when I got the sickness and it just kind of got worse every single year. And now obviously I do this for a living. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy the, the progression of it, but it's, it's been, a, it's been a long time. So when you were, when you were in your coach's room and, I'm sure that's exactly what you were supposed to be doing was playing, being, you know, playing fantasy football at that time. I assume that was just redraft then. Is that correct? Yeah, we were doing redraft, uh, standard league, no flex position, uh, two wide receivers. Everyone was drafting quarterbacks and running backs early. None of us knew what we were doing. Um, I remember, I, I want to say it was maybe my senior year. I, I don't remember exactly the timeline, but I remember taking, um, Antonio Gates like in the third round and everybody just thought it was the craziest everyone thought it was the craziest thing they'd ever seen because no one ever seen a tight end taken so early um I, I think I ended up doing pretty well in that league but uh but yeah uh I, I started back when none of us knew what we were doing there wasn't a lot of information we just kind of picking your favorite players and being a homer and thinking you were a, a GM rather than running a fantasy football team so then how did you progress through fantasy football? Did you start playing more things other than redraft? Have you done dynasty, anything like that? Uh, I've dabbled in dynasty. Um, obviously now I've progressed all the way to where DFS is my main focus. Uh, but really it's just been more and more redraft leagues. I got up to the point before uh, DFS, before I found out about DFS, where I was the guy playing 
double-digit 12, 15 leagues every year. Um, and it was fun because I didn't have DFS to, to take all my attention away. But uh, I've always been a redraft guy just because as much as I love football, talking about it, doing the research all year, uh, I do like having that it's over and I get to walk away for a little bit now. Um, so, and, and that's kind of the same way I, I come from a poker background and I was never a tournament guy because I want to leave when I want to leave. So uh, dynasty or you're, you're locked in all year and I love it. I, I read the stuff, but um, I, I just like having that time where eh, I, could, I could wind down for a couple of weeks now and, and step away. So redraft has always, always been my first love still is. There's nothing better than that live draft with your friends uh no matter how many leagues you play in or how much money you win uh that single day hanging out with everybody is still the best day of the year that that day is a fantastic day if you if you want to make it better make it an auction instead of a draft yeah i'm i'm all about that but just having if you're if you've never done a live draft and i know a lot of people probably haven't just because we've grown up in that internet age but you need to do a home league live draft and make it a tradition because there's nothing more fun. It's the best. It, it really is. I love hearing about people that like fly in for drafts and yeah. they literally spend more money getting to their draft than they actually do playing in the league. And I mean, it's, it's worth it. It is. It's so much fun. It really is. It's a great day. That's been said multiple times on here that it, <laughs> start your start a league with a live draft, a live auction, live anything. Just get together and have fun with it. So, all right. So you mentioned it. You, you got into the DFS. Um, when did you start playing DFS? And then at what point did you decide or did you get the opportunity to make it into something you get paid to do? Sure. Uh, it was really something that I kind of fell into. I mentioned briefly that I come from a poker background and. Uh, anybody that's familiar with online poker in 2011 is when infamous Black Friday, uh, April 2011, we all woke up one day and all of the, the major sites were shut down with all of our money. So at that time, terrible, terrible day. Yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. But I mean, in retrospect, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Uh, when when Black Friday hit, I had only been playing poker. Uh, quote unquote full time for about six months. And when I say I was playing full time, I was just barely paying my bills, but uh, it was fun. It was just something that I wanted to try out. Uh, But shortly after that, I kind of stumbled onto uh, draft day, which was the the big side at the time. And when when I say big, I mean, relative to what's going on now, (laughs) we're playing for, we're playing for peanuts, but, uh, but I got into draft day and one of my old poker buddies who I'd worked with, we had always kind of you know, we always talk back and forth about fantasy sports. He was getting into it, and then he ended up working for a uh, a smaller uh, company called Bet America, and they launched a DFS product. And I was really pestering him to to help him out with the side and write, give my two cents, whatever it might be. And just I, I never ended up working for him or with him, but he did know that I was really annoying about wanting to, and he uh, tweeted me a link that fantasy bums was looking for writers and they didn't no experience needed. You just need to be enthusiastic uh, and kind of know what you were talking about. Luckily for me, I was, I was trying to get uh, Joe to hire me. So I'd start my own blog, just literally just to send to him. So I had something to show him that I wasn't a complete idiot. Uh, And I didn't, I thought I was doing it all for nothing because he wasn't hiring me, but then uh, fantasy bums. And if anybody goes back uh, that far, uh, Lafayette D and Ryan Hodge, who are, 
uh, very popular names in the DFS industry now. They were running that site. I had no idea who they were at the time. I just sent them my blog, and, and apparently they thought I was halfway decent, and they started me out writing, uh, basically recording game logs and reporting what happened from every single relevant fantasy player in the league, and I was getting paid exactly $0 to do that. Uh, <laughs> taking me about 12 hours every Tuesday to get that into them, but I had never been more excited to, to do a job in my life. And uh, through lots of hard work and lots of good luck and lots of really nice people in the industry, uh, that one opportunity snowballed into a career. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you, you've mentioned it. You, you do have your DFS MVP podcast with Chris Raybon. And that is, first of all, folks, if you are going to play in DFS, you should be listening to that podcast and others. I mean, go out and listen listen to people talk about stuff, but definitely make sure that DFS MVP is in your rotation. So uh, we'll go through just kind of some basics of this little DFS world. So explain to people kind of what the different games are and everything. Sure. So obviously when you log on to a, a DFS site for the first time, uh, things could get over a little bit overwhelming. You have this crazy lobby. You see all these big numbers, these big dollar amounts. But uh, basically when we're talking about DFS, we break games up into two different broad categories. We have our cash games and our tournaments, which in the industry tournaments are known as GPPs, guaranteed prize pools. Uh, uh, Sub-segment of those GPPs are qualifiers, uh, basically just satellites into bigger tournaments. But the games we tend to focus on are our cash games. We have our head-to-heads, our 50-50s, and our double-ups. And head-to-head, you're playing against one other person, just mono a mono who could put out the best lineup, 50-50, very similar setup, uh, but it's a it's a large field head-to-head, so to speak. So maybe you'll have 1,000 people in one contest uh, and the top 500 win, so top 50%. That's where you get the 50-50 name. Uh, and then we have the double-ups, which are – they look a lot like 50-50s. The reason they're different is because in a double-up, you actually double your money, 50-50s uh, and head-to-head. Uh, you don't exactly double your money because the site has to make a little money. So the site takes a fee known as the rake. Uh, so that's taken out of the the winnings in the head-to-heads and the 50-50s. And the double-up, it's taken out of the entire pool. Less people get paid, but then you double your money. So slightly less than 50% are getting paid in those double-ups. Uh, so uh, I'm sure we'll get into more detail on all of them. But those are the games you'll hear us talking about, the vernacular, the lingo. You'll hear head-to-head, 50-50, double-up, and GPP is what you're going to hear the most when you're talking about DFS games. Yeah, and you bring up the rake. Obviously, the DFS industry has changed since last year dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. I I haven't I don't play anything other than football. Do you? Do you play any other DFS? Uh, I, I strictly play NFL for high volume. Uh, I dabble in golf. I'm not good. I tried to play MLB, and like I said, I'm a guy that likes to walk away when I have a chance to, and the every single day grind isn't for me. I like the, the – it's one of the reasons that I gravitated to golf in the offseason because you do have that full week to prepare and study. And this season I've actually kind of uh, jumped into the the CFL waters just to kind of scratch that football itch. But I, I mean, DraftKings just started offering CFL this season, and uh, I played the last couple weeks, and – done okay just entering random gpps basically just throwing numbers in that i could find there's not really a ton of information but 
uh, it gives you something to sweat, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know any of the guys, so I can't make too many educated decisions. Yeah, I think the CFL, <laughs> I saw that they were having CFL competitions, and I, I wondered who played those, and I figured it's those people who just literally, we just, we can't we're, wait for the NFL. Like, Oh, we're degenerates. Oh, it's it's terrible. Um, so have they, have any of the rakes changed because of, you know, what's going on, or are they still the same as what they were last year? This I'm asking you know, I have, because I haven't signed in the check. No, I mean, I haven't seen any significant changes from um, – someone's probably going to call me out on this, but the NFL games, like, aren't listed yet, so I haven't really been diving into them too much. The The thing is the GPPs vary. Um, so some GPPs you'll, you'll see rake 13%, some 12%. Uh, I haven't seen any major changes. Usually on the cash games we have a 10% rake. Um, but from what I've seen, it, we haven't been hit yet with any major changes on the rake. Well, that's good to know because not that I'm going to win all the big money anyways, but I at least want the most money out there for me to possibly win. So No, but a, a couple percentage points is a huge deal, especially yeah. uh, especially for playing high volume, especially for trying to grind out cash games. It's I think that's uh, something that a lot of people, especially if you're new to the game, don't realize uh, how much that can really affect your bottom line. Yeah, so when you sign into the DFS lobby, it's going to look strikingly familiar to a poker lobby. Uh, there's going to be, you know, the different levels of games, different levels of money. And you mentioned that some of the money is going to be overwhelming. I will tell people, you know what? Filter out the cheap games. Be like me. Mm -hmm. Don't play super expensive games. Start out with the cheap games. You can You can hide all of those super high expensive games. They're cool to look at, but... You can filter it with any amount of money. So I recommend – I started out playing low. Now, granted, that ended up maybe not being great because then people were just – everybody was playing low and doing crazy stuff. So it's very tough to beat some people. Uh, what do you recommend for somebody just kind of starting out? Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, it's a good idea to get out of those – those big games because the whole out of sight, out of mind thing, right? So I'm just looking at FanDuel's lobby right now. And uh, when you hop on either FanDuel or DraftKings, which are the major sites, the lobby you're going to see is their featured lobby. So those are their big games, the ones you see on the commercials, the big money. Uh, you just want to get out of that feature tab. So looking <laughs> at fan, you know, I mean, that's, that's what you want to do. You just want to get out of that feature tab. Just go to your sport of choice. Uh, so if you look at FanDuel right now, uh, obviously we're just in the middle of baseball season, so there aren't, aren't a ton of games going, but, uh, there's an MLB tab. You just click on that. And then right under there, you'll see the option for tournaments, for head to heads, for 50 fifties. Uh, and then you could select what league type you want. Um, under that, like you were talking about, you'll see a slider and that'll be where you can limit your games. You can, it, it starts out from zero to whatever the highest buy-in is to $50,000 buy-ins. I'm guessing most Jeez. new people, I'm guessing most people aren't playing $50,000 buy-ins. Um, you know, you'd have to have a pretty big bankroll. What I, what I usually do is I just go in there make the sliders free, uh, the $0 minimum to like maybe a $25 max. If you're new, you could go down to $1, $5 max, whatever it might be. Uh, and then you'll just see the games, uh, listed, listed, uh, by price you could sort by price you can sort by uh, uh game size whatever it might be uh but that'll at least let you limit your options a little bit make the make the lobby more palatable and you can you can take it in a little bit easier um yeah. but as far as which games to play if you're brand new uh my recommendation 
really depends on what people's goals are. I mean, when you're brand new to the game, start with a couple head-to-heads, start with some 50-50s. I wouldn't even recommend playing head-to-heads if you're not playing high volume just because you can uh, you can have one really good lineup run up against another really good one. Play a couple 50-50s, small $1.50-50s just to get your feet wet, uh, just to get used to the flow of the game. And, you know, you, you play five bucks, play – you know, five $1.50 50s. If you do well, you could double your money or almost double your money. Um, then throw one into one uh, one small tournament just to see what it's like to play in those big tournaments to kind of get a feel for those big fields, see what other people are doing. That's a great advantage of playing small stakes when you're brand new. You get to see the lineups of every good player that's in that game. So if you're playing, say, a 100-person or a 1,000-person 50-50 uh, you're going to see a lot of really popular names uh, in your game. And, you know, while that might be tough, you know, you think, oh, I'm playing against these really good players. Well, you also get uh, for $1, you get to see what lineup they're putting into these games. And for the most part, if they're putting their lineup in a $1 50-50, they're probably putting that same exact lineup in a $1,000 50-50. So you do get some really, really useful insight. So I think that's one of the most beneficial things of getting in there early and, you know, don't worry about seeing the big names in there. There's plenty of people, especially when NFL season starts, uh, that are going to be in those games that aren't pros that are very far from it. Uh, so don't get intimidated. But uh, that's what I would recommend doing, playing some of those small 50-50s and maybe just one tournament just to see how that payout goes to get used to losing a tournament because that's going <laughs> to happen. that's going to happen a lot. It's going to happen way more than it's going to go the opposite way. I think that's a, I think that was a mistake a lot of people probably made last year is I'm going to make a million dollars. So the only things they jumped into, I, I had a lot of friends that signed up because I played the first couple of weeks and I did okay and I enjoyed it. Uh, it was more, it was fun more than anything else. And so some other people, you know, they were watching football with me and I was tracking my lineup and they were watching what I was doing and they wanted to jump in. And then of course they signed in and they only wanted to go for the big money because it's not exciting to win, you know, to put in $5 and win $4 and walk away, walk away with a $4 profit off of a $5 investment. That's not really exciting. It's not fun, but I recommend that to people. I mean, the, the people that I know that all they did was go in and go big, basically quit playing after two weeks. Um, what do you say to those kinds of people to try and get them to, to give it another shot? You know, what, what, how do you recommend those people get back into it? And, and how do you, how do you turn them from being now against DFS? Cause they lost everything in two weeks and haven't played since. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to try to condense down into like 45 minutes, what people have literally written books on. So uh, I'll do my best here, but uh, I think it all really starts with education and, as far as DFS goes, um, I, I would think I would say that's probably one of the parts that I'm most passionate about. That's most exciting, just because a lot of people don't have the chance to get educated. Like you say, they go in there and the first thing they see is the millie maker on DraftKings, and they want to win a million dollars, so they play uh, two twenty-seven dollar, twenty dollar lineups, and before you know it, they're down a hundred dollars in two weeks. Um, just learning the different games, learning the whys and the hows of each game is how you're going to get to that point where, oh, now this is fun. Now this is exciting. I could I could get an idea of how I could kind of grind up but still have uh, exposure to this big money. And that's why when you asked me what the first thing that I would do is if I was brand new, I'd play 
five one dollar games, but throw one dollar into a tournament because you still should play those big games, but maybe just not the biggest play within your bankroll and um, just a portion of what you would play. So that's why I say if you're playing five bucks on cash games, throw one dollar in a one dollar GPP. You could turn one dollar into 200, 300, 400 bucks. That's still pretty exciting. That's a lot more fun than losing $27, I think. Yeah, uh, I, so, I love I those ones. And uh, yeah. that, that was, it was fun to win. I mean, I never, I don't think I ever won 200 times my entry fee, but even winning, like just cashing made me feel good. And I felt, I felt like I had fun doing it. Well, and here's the thing. Um, a lot of people talk about that no matter the stakes, you have these sharks, you have these big-time players playing against you, taking your games. And, yes, that probably is the case for head-to-heads, definitely. Uh, you will find a lot of really sharp players in 50-50s uh, and in smaller leagues. But in these $1 and $2 tournaments, especially if they're only 100, 200-person uh, entry, uh, a lot of the really sharp or really good players, they're playing small stakes – cash games because they're trying to grind out a living. Uh, but for the most part, their tournaments, they're playing higher buy-ins because they are chasing those live finals. Uh, they are playing a large chunk of their tournament role in bigger tournaments. So those smaller tournaments are a really, really good spot to kind of grind your teeth uh, on the tournament games because if you're playing with a $20 bankroll, you can still build your bankroll and you can still see a multiply 10 20 fold uh, if you have a decent day in one of those and i think that's really worth it and one thing i didn't mention is that both FanDuel and DraftKings, uh with this regulation with trying to be more friendly to the new user uh there are a lot of uh games where you can only play against their beginner games or with the badges now where you can only play against people of your skill level or if you've only played x number of games only those players can play in those games so that's another way to to get your feet wet without getting thrown into the uh proverbial shark pool yeah that's uh that would have probably been nice to have at the beginning of the year last year i also like the ones i ended up settling on the most for the like the gpps i loved the single entry tournaments and those don't get those get like no advertisement um obviously i don't know they probably don't make as much money for DraftKings and fandle so you don't really they get no advertisement but if you can search them out and you find single entry tournaments those were my favorite. Right. And uh, actually, that's really funny you say that because the second half of the year last year, outside of, of some qualifiers, um, I played exclusively single entry tournaments. And I think this is really interesting to note, especially if you're brand new and you do want to play a little bit higher because one, it automatically puts you on an even playing field. You're not playing in a multi-entry tournament where Condi uh, is throwing in 300 lineups. <laughs> you know, And also uh, a lot of one big reason that these are very profitable and something that I don't think people talk about enough is they're smaller fields. So in theory, you need a, uh, you don't need as great of a lineup to cash or to win the thing because there's just less iterations in there. There's less possibility for, for people to go completely nuts with their lineups. And two, a lot of the sharp players that are playing these single entry tournaments, um, one strategy that people use is they no matter how many cash games they play, they always throw their cash game lineup into into one GPP just in case it goes off. They can get a really nice return on it. Usually, they're using those single entry tournaments for that tournament to put their cash game lineup in. So, not only are these pros only 
having one bullet like you do in a single entry tournament, but a lot of times they're not even using their best possible turn up, tournament lineup. They're just using it to throw in a cash game lineup. Uh, so on top of dead money from people that just aren't good, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of lineups in there that uh, in reality just don't have a chance at coming in first place or don't have as high of a chance as an uh, optimal tournament lineup would have coming in first place. Yeah, those are – I. That's where that's when, the second half of the season was when I kind of discovered those as well, and I that's when I started making a little bit of money uh, compared to the first half where it was every week I was you know breaking even or just getting a little bit, and I was like, all right, well I still had fun. I don't care if I won, but then I discovered the single entry tournaments, and I highly recommend those. They're a lot of fun. Uh, what do you recommend then for somebody like you know we've talked about bankroll a lot. Um, people treat it that way, which is exactly how you should treat it. What do you recommend for like people that are, you know, we'll use an example of a hundred dollars. If they've got a hundred dollar bankroll, what do you recommend for somebody playing like per week so that it can last? And you know, how should they split it up? Sure. So, um, again, going back to the point, I'm trying to condense a, a lifetime worth the lesson down <laughs> into 40 minutes here. But, uh, the, the first thing that, that I tell anyone that's new is like, it's okay if you don't want to just grind out a living doing this. Like I put in a shit ton of hours. Sorry if you don't have the exclusive tag on the podcast. I put in a lot of hour. I put in a lot of hours grinding just to, uh, just, just to grind out this small edge profit, like these really thin margins. Uh, it's okay for going into the season and you want to play these big tournaments. It just goes back to education. Like what do you want to get out of it? What are your goals? Um, if you're okay losing a hundred dollars on the season and you're going to just play GPPs cause you want to turn that hundred dollars into $5,000, um, that's fine. But know that there's a lot greater chance that you're going to lose your money compared to someone grinding out, uh, some cash games or head to heads. Um, if you're doing that, I would still say gravitate to, these smaller field tournaments, these smaller buy-in tournaments. Um, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. They're not always under the tournament lobby, but sometimes they'll have leagues where sometimes you could play against a hundred people, uh, 20 people. So for yeah. five bucks, you could play in a, you could play in a 100 person field and only the top 12 win. So if you want to grind tournaments, you can do that. Play smaller fields. Don't play these huge tournaments. Uh, if you're looking for a little bit more balance, uh, the, the kind of generic rule is to play 80% of your money in cash games and 20% of your money in tournaments. Uh, when you're newer and your goal is to play for the whole season, I would say keep, go even more conservative than that. 90% um, in cash games, 10% in GPPs. There's still weeks that I just don't like what's going on or I don't like what I'm doing in tournaments and I'll still only play 10% of my money in tournaments, even if there are some really juicy prizes out there. Um, there's nothing wrong with scaling it back a bit. And if your goal is to uh, not lose money on the season or to grind out the slowest profit, then it's fine. Just play 10% of your money in tournaments. And uh, if you're trying to decide how much you should play in a given week, um, I think the safest thing to do when you're brand new is to play 10% of your bankroll. So if you have a hundred bucks to last you for the whole season, go into week one, just play 10 bucks. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot, but again, if you throw one or $2 and two of those $100 uh, or 100 man GPPs, you can have a good week. You can win an extra, you can double your bankroll in the first week. And then that gives you some more room to play with. Um, but but about 10% to start. And I never personally play more than 20% of my bankroll in a given week. And that's a really big number. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone start out play that high 10, 15% at the very most. 
and if you're playing cash games, again, if you're only playing $10 a week, I wouldn't recommend playing head-to-heads because uh, the easiest way to put it is say you have a lineup that, that finishes um, – in, in the 75th percentile of all, all cash game lineups. And a 50-50, you're going to win all of your games because you're in the you're above the top 50%. And the head-to-head, you're going to win roughly 75% of your games. So you don't have as much upside. But uh, on the flip side, say you have uh, say you have a lineup that's in the 40th percentile. On average, you're going to win 45% of your head-to-heads, but you're not going to lose any of those 50-50s. Now that works, that concept works really well when you're playing on a very big scale. Uh, the problem is if you're only playing, say, six, seven, eight cash games a week, uh, if you have a lineup in the 75th percentile, it's not hard to run into seven lineups that are better than yours. In a bad week, you might run into those seven lineups. So if you're playing smaller volume, I would recommend sticking to the 50-50s. Yeah, I've, I I had weeks where I scored more and lost all, and then mm-hmm. I had weeks where I scored less and I won all. Uh that that happens, and it's so frustrating on the weeks that you lose. Of course, it's just as exciting then on the weeks that you win. So, I treat it like fun. You said, you know, if somebody, uh, if you're going into it looking like, hey, I can lose this money, a lot of people probably do, and just consider this is just another league fee. I mean, think about how much we spend on our redraft league fees each year. If you want to try DFS, consider it just joining another league and putting that amount of money to it, and you know, giving it a shot for a few weeks to see how you do at it. Try and start small. That's that is right. <clears throat> what do, what and, do you go on? Oh, I was just, just going to say one thing. I would say is that uh, even if you if you do go into the season saying I have the, this hundred dollars and I just kind of want to play tournaments and see if I can I can run up that money. Um, that can be fun, and there can be a way to do it uh, at the the smallest risk possible. Uh, but if you do have any type of plans where you want to get good at this and uh, you do want to maybe next season be be more of a grinder after you're, you're more comfortable, um, you still do want to set up that foundation. So if you start with bad habits where you're you're not uh, at least learning about bankroll and practice, practicing it to some degree, it's going to be really hard if you do hit, say you do turn your $100 into 1000 uh, without that foundation, you're going to have a really hard time practicing that bankroll management because you're going to be salivating at the chance to add another zero to your bankroll. And trust me, I've been there. It doesn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, the same people that didn't manage their bankrolls in poker are probably the same people that don't manage their bankrolls in this. So what do Absolutely. you? What are some strategies then? Um, we'll give a little bit of strategy talk. You know, there's different strategies for head-to-head and then for GPPs. What are some different strategies that you take in these games? Sure, and this is something that's changing. Uh, it's very fluid from when I started playing to now. Uh, has a lot to do with pricing. Has a lot to do with people getting better at the game. Uh, but some some really general takes that you can take into your new your new games if you're new to DFS. Um, you just have to understand what you're trying to accomplish in these games. So in these cash games, in these head-to-heads, in these 50-50s, um, you're just trying to beat 50% of the field. So in a head-to-head, you're just trying to beat one other guy in a 50-50, whatever 50% of that field is. So you're looking to maximize your floor. So you want low-risk players. Uh, you want players that are going to stay on the field, players that you can predict very well. Uh, so that's why you see a lot of people paying up for running backs, running backs that – 
are going to stay on the field regardless of if their team is winning or losing. And that usually translates to uh, running backs that catch the ball and are very highly involved in the passing game. Uh, wide receivers that are highly targeted, shorter targets, not these volatile guys like a Deshaun Jackson. Um, more that You'll see a lot of people paying up for the Antonio Browns, the Julio Jones on, on DraftKings because it is full PPR. So these receivers that are seeing 9, 10, 11 targets a game, uh, you really want to value targets over touchdown upside in these cash games. And similar to tight ends, even though there are fewer tight ends that do see a decent amount of targets, you, you are just looking for targets with your with your tight ends, with your pass catchers. You're looking for consistent high targets where on the flip side in a tournament, we're really trying to maximize our upside. So uh, we want these running backs that can go off regardless of if we think they're going to be uh, on a winning or losing team. We're just looking, we're looking for touchdown upside for our running backs, uh, guys that might have a lot of volume uh, near the goal line. Uh, Adrian Peterson is a guy who's classic, uh, GPP play, uh, but very rarely finds his way into my cash lineups just because he's so dependent on how the team's doing. If they're losing, he doesn't catch a lot of balls and uh, he can get completely taken out of a game. But if he's in a good situation, he's a great GPP play because he can always go off me the top scoring running back of the week. Similarly, at wide receiver, uh, targets are obviously still very important, but you're looking uh, for touchdown upside. So players that a little that are a little more volatile that you might not want in a cash game, going back to like a Deshaun Jackson type, he's a guy that can win you a GPP because any given week he can go off for 150 and two touchdowns. Um, but a lot of times that's only going to be on three or four catches. So the safety net isn't there. His floor is virtually uh, zero. Uh, similar at tight end, I'm looking for guys that get a lot of red zone targets. Sometimes they might not have the seven, eight, nine targets that in a game that Kronk might have, but if they're seeing one or two red zone targets a game, they might find their way into my GPP lineup. Um, and then a little more advanced concept into these tournaments that uh, I don't know if we'll have time to completely get into, but to maximize your ceiling that you really, really want in these tournaments is the concept of stacking. And that's the idea of uh, the most popular stack is pairing a quarterback with his wide receiver, the thinking being if a quarterback goes off, most likely his top receiver, maybe even two of his receivers are going to go off. So you have a chance not just to maybe roster the top quarterback of the week, but if he has a really good game, you might have the top receiver of the week by pairing him up. Uh, so that's a concept that you'll see a lot in, in tournaments. And it does find its way into, G into cash games sometimes, uh, but it's obviously way less popular. All right, so for those who did not catch all of that, go back and listen to that repeatedly. TJ just gave a whole bunch of information that is extremely valuable. And it also shows the level that people go to to play this game. And that's only that's really only the tip. Uh, he, he talked about like targets, um, you know, red zone targets. Those are important statistics to look at. Everybody knows who great players are. And that's one problem is people get in the – get into this and they're like, I'm just picking all these good players. You, if you're not willing to do some research into targets and red zone targets, and then matchups are important, you know, what defense people are playing. There are so many things out there that you can find that are tools to help you with this. You guys have tools yeah. on your site, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, four, for four, has a ton, four for four has a ton of uh, uh, tools that show, um, 
dollar per point, the matchups, all the stats I covered, Vegas lines. And I, I tried not to be too long-winded there. Uh, I tried to <laughs> tried to get a condensed version as I could of those ideas. But uh, the overriding theme is that you, before anything, I think one of the most important things that a new player can learn is the types of roster construction that you're looking for, these strategies that I talked about, the stacking in the tournaments, the high floors for the cash games. Uh, because I'm really looking for specific player types. Like, I, I'm i not a GM. I suck at knowing who's good at football. Like I, But I know that I'm really bad at that, and I think most people are bad at that. Uh, so learn these player types because we all, like it's easy to go on a website and find out who the highest-ranked guys are, and most of them are ranked really close together, projected really close in points. So learn these player types. Learn what a high-floor guy is. Learn what a high-upside guy is. And uh, that information alone and learning how to piece this puzzle together, even if it's a little bit of a generic strategy, is still going to give you a leg up on a lot of your competition. Yeah, and uh, you guys provide a great service for that. So, you know, feel free to pitch that all over and over and over, of course. Yeah, now- I mean, uh, 4 for 4 is uh, DFS subscriptions available now, and we have – uh, I think the best uh, the best tools in the industry that, that give you all the stats you'll need. Yep, they uh, four for four is actually also given the top five that finish in the ADP challenge win a four for first sub for the year. Not the DFS sub, not they're, s- not they're not going that far. But I uh, saw that. So what's my consolation? Because I already have one. So we have to come uh, up with a four for four employee prize. Yeah, that that's funny because uh, Margosian's <laughs> doing it too, and I yeah, I, talk, I, <laughs> I talked with him, and I was he he asked the same thing, and I was like. Uh, well, you're just doing it for pride, and if you, win a, if you win a subscription, you can either lose your job and you'll still have access, or you can give it to, give it away to somebody. Let's make it That's transferable. I like it. Pay for it. You can donate it to somebody. So I dig it. So, are are there any other real points with DFS that you think we should cover for somebody that might be thinking about getting into this now? I mean. Like I said before, I, th- I think I covered all the major points if you're if you're just really trying to get your feet wet. But I think the most important thing you can do is take your time to just educate yourself on the nuances of the game. And uh, don't be intimidated. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good players, but the, the edge in NFL is, is so razor thin that anybody really has a chance to win it any given week. And uh, I think it's probably the best game for new players that are interested in DFS to try out. Luckily for us, it's the most popular game um, just because no one's, I, I promise you, nobody's dominating NFL as much as they might say they are. Uh, you'll hear a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of people are crushing the other sports, but NFL is very hard to dominate. So uh, I wouldn't be in, don't be intimidated by these lobbies and these big games and these players and, and the news of, of all the, uh, the scripts and algorithms or algorithms, just a fancy word for a spreadsheet. You know, like we all have algorithms. They're not, most of them aren't even that good. I promise. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, fi- find some projections that you like, preferably at 444.com and yeah. you use the tools, um, learn those lineup strategies and, and practice proper bankroll management. Uh, I know we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, but you can be really, really good at DFS and lose a lot of money if you're not practicing proper bankroll management. Uh, winning players uh, or, or favorites are in the red because they're bad at bankroll management. So that alone is one place where 
Um, nobody can walk in and beat you at bankroll management. If, if you study that and get really good at that, uh, no one's going to beat you in a head-to-head -head because of your bankroll management. And that's where you can give yourself a nice little edge. Yeah, and I like that you said educate yourself. A lot of people think they can just jump in and play and have fun, but even going back to redraft, think about how much time people spend. You know, they read a magazine. God forbid that's all they do. That's the person I love playing against now. But most people go beyond that too and at least do some research on the internet, do some cheat sheets. You put some preparation into this draft. Then you study your waiver wire. You prepare for that, re, you know, for that redraft league all year. You're, you're not going to win that league without a little bit of preparation. You're not going to win in DFS without putting forth some effort as well. So uh, the education is big. So I recommend that. You got to do it. Otherwise, you're just going to lose your money, and then you're going to complain that somebody took your money because they were running a script. It's not because yeah, of that. <laughs> it's because no. they prepared better. Exactly. A hundred percent. I mean, and this is a game where there, there's a whole nother layer when you have these salaries attached to it. I mean, we're literally, uh, we're trading stocks here. There's this value attached to it and you got to find out who's going to overperform and underperform and if it's a good value or if it's not like there, there's a lot of homework that goes into it. So um, if you don't want to do that homework, then you're, you probably aren't going to see the best results. But uh, I mean, you said it perfectly. You're not going to do a redraft league without some preparation. So uh, it does take a lot of work, but it's it's damn fun. Yep, it is fun. So I, I think we've covered kind of a good little intro to uh, DFS. I've had fun with it. I'm going to continue to have fun with it. I actually started a league this year where the same, me and 13 other people, we will compete against each other in a DFS competition each week. So we're not going to lose a bunch. I mean, we're not going to lose a bunch of money to a bunch of people. We're paying one fee to join this little league, yeah. and then we're gonna—I'm gonna set up private little free entry tournaments essentially yeah. every year. So if you're looking to do something like that, give it a shot. I, I want other people to try it, and I kind of thought this would be a great way for people to try it, not really risk a lot, and we're all gonna have fun with it. And I'm gonna listen to TJ's podcast, and I'm gonna crush them. So <laughs> I'll nice, give you the plug. Nice. So I've got, I've still got some, some more questions, a little bit on the DFS, and then we've got some out of the league questions at the end that'll just be for fun. So sure, on a DFS front, have you ever made a live final? No, I have not, and uh, it's a really sore subject because oh, I was. I, I apologize for asking. No, it's all right. I, I've been to a live final because luckily I live in San Diego where they hosted live where they hosted the live finals last year. So I did attend the DraftKings live final last year. However, I was also a Calvin Johnson fumble on the goal line away from making the FanDuel live final last year. Oh man. So oh, uh, I am sorry for asking that. No, well, it's all right. It's all right. It happens. I'll get mine this year. So, so going to the live final is going to the live final kind of like a NFL player going to the Super Bowl but not being involved in it. Uh, I I would think that it's better because it's it's like three hundred <laughs> people that you really like and you have yeah. something in common with and <laughs> you're not getting beer spilt on you. It's it's like if you have a chance to go any industry event really, but uh, especially this live final because it's so much fun and I went to the draft I was at the DraftKings final and if anybody's been to any kind of DraftKings event or has uh, any any experience with uh, dealing with DraftKings they like having fun and you know they'll spend the money to do it and you, you get to hang out with all these rad people and 
finally put faces uh, to names instead of avatars to names. And 99.9% of the people in this industry are the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Yeah, I, that's what I, I've come across that just in doing this podcast. I've enjoyed getting to kind of talk to people and meet people. And while it is disconcerting to see like what Dynasty Frank really looks like and what you really look like, uh, it, it's it's also, it's also you know, it, it is fun to get to know people and just find out that, look, they're just, right. dudes, they're just dudes that like football too, so. Well, and then you, you, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, the people that have a bad taste in their mouth and they hear about these people running their scripts and algorithms. And then you finally get a chance to sit down and talk to the human and talk about the work putting in and their day-to-day and their rough times and their good times and their bad times. And, you know, when you have that experience and you add the human element to it, um, they're no different than someone that's worked their way up the corporate ladder and just working their ass off. So when you yeah. realize that and see the human part of it, then um, at least for me, it lets me at least tell people with confidence, with a good conscience, like these are hardworking dudes. You shouldn't have a bad taste in your mouth because of this. Like if anything, you should be enjoying it because it's, uh, it's a really, really good thing that's happening in our industry. Yeah. If somebody has a system they follow, it's a system they worked hard and created and yeah. probably lost money creating that system, I would imagine. But, oh, yeah. uh, all right, so the next DFS-based question is, who's that player that you hit on once that was just super low percentage that you'll remember that player more than you remember winning some tournament? Oh, man, see, I'm I'm like the opposite. I remember the tough losses. Um, <laughs> Everybody remembers those. You can... You can my, give me your my, big bust. You can give me your big bust if you want to. The guy that you were like really touting and then just completely crushed you that week. Well, last, I mean, I, I guess the one that sticks out probably because it's most recent is I was very, very early on the Doug Baldwin train. Uh, so his his first big breakout. I think he had three touchdowns and one really late. Uh, I had him everywhere in, in tournaments that week. So that was had to be my best week of the year last year. So. Going back to last year, that's the one I remember most. Um, the worst one I've ever had is this is back going back to Draft Street days. Um, some people probably don't even know what the hell Draft Street is anymore. But uh, I had all my research in line, and I was targeting the uh, Jets with a second wide receiver opposite of an elite wide receiver, and they happened to be playing the Bengals in week eight. And I zeroed in on the Bengals' second wide receiver who had been seeing the second most targets in the team and the second most red zone targets. And I landed on Muhammad Sanu, and Marvin Jones scored four touchdowns. Oh, God, it was that and week. That oh, cost me that's awesome. a lot of money. And they were both, if I remember correct, they were both under under 2% owned that week. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. All, you could have had all the so right. much money. I had all the right research and I was all over the Bengals second wide receiver. I knew I was playing and it was so obvious that it was Sanu. Oh, so you did, you went all in on Sanu. You didn't diversify at all. I had Sanu everywhere. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm a Bengals fan. So like, I remember that game. I'll be chasing Marvin Jones four touchdowns for the rest of my DFS career. He will never have four touchdowns in a game again. Matthew Stafford might try and throw it to him a thousand times just because that's all they do is chuck the ball. But that that that's never going to happen again. Oh, those are great stories. I, yeah, that's I, my that's my one. That'll <laughs> that'll haunt me for a long time. Cuz I did I, the process was perfect. 
Yeah, the 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 passion that came out in TJ right there. I those that I mean, I don't put up videos, so you don't see this, but uh, like as soon as he started talking about that bad beat, it was, it's just, it's. I feel the I feel the pain that he had. You know, I, I think that. I think that was worse than the than the Calvin for the live final. I don't know why. Just because I was. I was so against the grain on that pick, and I was so confident in it. And the, uh, I'll, I'll, that one's going to live with me for a while. That's one where, like, if it would have hit, like, you would have been attached. You would have been, like, the Marvin Jones oh, guy. Right, right. For sure. Oh, yeah. man. I would have been um, the Mar- – I would have been – it would have been – I would have been interviewing Marvin Jones like uh, Matt Harmon interviews A-Rob now. Oh, there you go. And posting your pictures on Twitter <laughs> and, and uh, you know, yep. I, I I like Matt. He is he is funny. I, I enjoy Matt's I enjoy Matt's work. And he's come yeah, on he's here. Nice. So he's been he's been helpful. Um all right. Well, we're gonna get in then to just a little bit of the out of the league. This will not really be DFS based. This will be just kind of fun questions. So the SFV draft just took place, but before that, you really got into like mock drafting and stuff, which I I might be not I might not be listed as a fan in that, but like I am just a fan. So yeah. I got to say, like that was cool to see you jump into like the mocking like that. What was what was kind of the impetus behind that, and how did you enjoy that process? Well, one Scott does a really good job of timing this tournament. He strategically puts it the week after Fourth uh, of July, so it's kind of this downtime for all of us. Not that I've had much downtime this year at all, just working working on a bunch of projects, but uh, I, I was anxious for this to start. So all of the new scoring and, and changes that Scott made this year, it just made me just my personality and how much I love digging into these numbers. You saw me trying to exploit your, um, your pick them game at the big uh, with the uh, ADP <laughs> game. So, uh, I mean, if I'll do that for a free, for a free game, if, if you give me bragging rights over the, uh, the whole community i'm gonna start doing some research so once i start doing that if you've if you've been on my twitter i, I like to share the stuff that i'm that i'm looking up and then uh if we're doing a redraft then we should have some adp data and i, I actually i saw chub chub mcgrub on twitter he started putting some out and uh i just thought it'd be a good thing to add to the research so uh kind of as a thank you to the community thank you to scott uh just a small way to give back and i'm already doing it anyway so why not share it with everybody yeah, it was just, I mean, it's refreshing to see because, I mean, like, you're a name, obviously, but to see to see you still have, like, that same enthusiasm for it, it's just fun to see. So See, but, but you say that, and I appreciate that more than anything <laughs> because I still look at myself as, like, I'm still a guy that, like, I, like, I, Matt Harmon talks about this a lot on his pod. Like, do I really belong here? Because you talked to all these guys that I've been looking up to for years. And, and then people put me in the same breath as them. I'm like, let's pump the brakes guys. There's, these are the smart ones. I'm still just like, I can't believe anybody pays me any money to, to write any words about football. So something like that, it's just, it's just pure fun. Like this is yeah. the most fun thing in the world. So why not do more of it? Yeah, it, it really was a lot of fun. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one then. So, Favorite, I, I just did a mock draft on Twitter because obviously I don't have anything else going on, so I was bored. So we mock drafted childhood movies. Uh, what, what would be your 101 in a, a draft for childhood movies? I mean, does, does childhood mean like Disney or just from your childhood? 
from your childhood. Like my first, my my first pick okay. was Goonies because that's okay. just, that's the goat. So okay, one point one point on one is Dumb and Dumber, and it's not close. Dumb and uh, Dumber. What what age were you watching Dumb and Dumber at? I I mean I was when Dumb and Dumber came out. I was nine years old. <laughs> I don't think my parents would let me watch Dumb and Dumber at nine. <laughs> yeah. So I that if if I had to pick one movie that I quote more than any movie in history, it's Dumb and Dumber. Nice. That's. All right, that's a good one. All right, we got we got one final question then. Your favorite outdoor game that you can play while holding a beer? My favorite outdoor game we can play while holding a beer. Um I whew, I'm coming in this one completely blind, so I might need Okay, I think it's it's got to be cornhole. Uh and I think in some parts of the country they call it bean bags, but uh I don't know. They probably. I don't. I don't know what part of the country that is. Probably some part of the country I never visit. I'm That's like alien. It's like Chicago. They call it that. They're wrong. Okay. It's, it's, it's cornhole. It's, it's cornhole. cornhole. Yeah, because it's just so perfect. It's social. You only need one hand. Um, I think I'm really good at doing things where you have to throw accurately. So uh, there's enough of an element where I can argue to the point where I'm almost mad that I'm losing. So I think. Uh, I think cornhole's. Cornhole's the 1.01 and the the beer outside game. All right. Well, TJ, I appreciate you joining me. Give everybody your information that they all should already know one more time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. All of my work is exclusively at 444.com. And Chris Raybon and I will be bringing you the DFS MVP podcast coming early August. Oh, I, I meant to ask, did, has Chris made a live final? No, but uh, I, I think I, – I don't want to speak for Chris, but I think he goes a little bit harder at the Millie than he does at the live finals. Ah, okay. So he'll be ho- – hopefully this year I'll be at the live final and he'll just show up with his million dollars and we'll all be happy. He'll just come and uh, buy, take the after party over when people in the DraftKings party ends, huh? Yeah, I so. think so. <laughs> all right. Well, as for me, folks, you can interact with me. I am at EmpireFFL. Show email is – fantasyinsanitypod at gmail.com. Um, you know, always looking for feedback. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this and hopefully this will help you out a little bit in DFS. And if nothing else, go listen to the DFS MVP podcast. Thanks for joining me, TJ. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a blast.